0: 2, no mark taken, Bruce, Bruce, goal! Mitchell again, great coach, Warped back, Warped Jones released to Josh Ward Could this be his first goal, in the open, Josh Ward, he's got it! he's just caught at the back that time, running onto it, Wingard, Wingard in splendid isolation goes bang, and they're back in front, Bruce is dangerous, he's hard to tackle, he's in
1: and tangle. He's too good for boost. Boy, he knows one way. They it forward.
0: Newcomb. Here's a chance for Scotty's boy. The guess from the pocket. First goal in AFL football. It's Lawrence. Wow. Taking it is his Gilroy, and streaming ahead. Eileen Gilroy opens up the angle, and the Hawks are in front. The
2: Hawks finally get that winning feeling. Lewis is looking for five, five straight.
1: This is ridiculous. Kuczynski from behind, couldn't take it, like, by Impey, he's
0: been dangerous, had a few looks, didn't make another. Mitch Lewis is a dangerous one, on am not played, well done McKenzie, oh look at the kicker. look at the skill, the Irish but Nash. that was
1: outstanding. McAvoy delayed the hand pass until day in full stride, and isn't he excited by it? Walker, back to Parnell, nice build up, can they make it count, Smith, he'll be caught! Oh!
0: What a year it was Hawks fans, Sam Mitchell's first exciting year as senior coach, the introduction of our AFLW side, the highs, the lows and no shortage of talking points as we close out the year with one final episode, our 2022 in review. In this special edition of the show, we'll also be casting an eye on next year's fixture, and we're excited to bring you our chat with a very special guest, Hawthorne's own Josh Ward. Thank you for joining us. My name is Nick Mason, and welcome, as always, to my co host, Tiz. It's been a big year, mate, and it was a big night last
2: night, an eventful AGM. Couldn't decide whether it was going to be pantomime or pitchforks or what was going to happen. There's <laughs> a bit of both in the end. Uh, we've got a new president, Andy Gowers, and newly elected to the board, James Molino and re-elected to the board Anne-Marie Palliser and Katie Hudson. Incredible night, really.
0: Well, it was an occasion that promised, you know, a bit of tension, a bit of fireworks maybe, and it sort of delivered in that respect.
2: Yeah, it did. I mean, it's resulted in in two changes. Uh, Andy Gow is now president and James Molino on the board. Well, you say two. There's been a third. Well, yes. Um, apparently last night, Richie Vandenberg approached... Uh, Andy in the bar where we were in attendance trying to trying to talk to Sammy <laughs> about our interview tonight but uh, yeah um, apparently approached Andy and said uh, he would be resigning and um, that has left a vacancy on the board now what they do with that I know the um, the old leaders of the board were keen to get some legal expertise back onto the board as we had with Peter Nankerville um, so I'm, you know, there are a lot of lawyers around, Nick, but, uh, I'm sure, um, that will be probably the top priority because I would imagine that Andy Gowers takes over the portfolio that, uh, Vandenberg had, don't you?
0: Yeah, that's certainly a possibility. I, I feel like we do need to focus on Andy Gowers. That-, that was the the headline grabber, his appointment, his election rather, as president, uh, AGM stood for Andy Gower's moment, Tiz, and, and what a moment it was! He went up against the machine. Let's make no mistake about that, because it was a machine. He was going up against the club, and he's pulled out a,
2: a very well famous victory. Frankly, yeah, a very a very good candidate, um, a very disciplined candidate, and uh, attracted a lot of lot of fans that um, know him in the past, uh, know the character of the man. Um, Liked what he stood for, uh, returning to an approach where members are the key aspect of the club. And, um, yeah, I think it'll be a noticeable change. There are a lot of things,
0: for, for all the talk about Jeff Kennett and his tenure, there are a lot of things he actually did kind of well. He did serve the club well in a lot of many different respects and certainly the people he appointed did the same. But ultimately... Gowers was running on a platform that was seeking to inspire people to believe in change. It's all well and good, the successes that we've had, but we can be better. We can be different and do things differently around this club. And it was his challenge to get people to believe in
2: that, and he did. And so it's up to him to deliver. First things first, he's got to get through this period of, of, of change and the rocking of the boat. And it was quite obvious um, sitting in the hall how disgruntled Vandenberg was. Um, it wasn't obvious that anyone else was particularly had their nose out of joint, but everyone will have to recalibrate because these are volunteer positions, so there may be other people who decide that this isn't for them.
0: Yeah, don't expect this to be over just yet, is what I would warn supporters. that There could be a little bit more to play out with this. Indeed, in terms of Gower's challenge from here, he's... Promoted ahead of time, he wanted to have a, a summit between a lot of the key figures of Hawthorne and members. Now, just how that's going to look and what sort of form it takes it remains to be seen, but that's something that I'm all
2: for. I, I very much look forward to that. And that's not gloss over the fact that two uh, great servants and women were returned to the board whose positions were under threat. Yeah, th- th- this was a big win for diversity. It, it's very good for the club. I, I believe they all knew... A day out because apparently it hit Channel Nine News as we sat down in our seats at the AGM, Nick. That uh, what the results were. So it all became a little bit. I mean, they announced the results at the AGM about an hour into proceedings, and it was all old news. That's right. Yeah, it spread like wildfire, and uh, I believe
0: from my vantage point, glued to my screen before the event even began. Uh, Stephen Cordemaine was right out of the blocks. He was one of the first to. Uh, to to have it known and to break the news and then yeah Channel 9 and then us and then Tom
2: Brown got in so you needed a longer pause <laughs> between, <laughs> <laughs> between talk talk pod putting it out there and Tom Brown he was he was making a nuisance of himself and he didn't even get the scoop that you were the first to sign on at the AGM Nick I thought that would have been a lead story what a nerd what a <laughs> dork I was legitimately
0: the first one to approach the desk and you know, because the registration and everything and, and get my little wristband and, oh, my God. Yeah,
2: no, a big thrill for you, Nick. Uh... <laughs> the records, <laughs> let the records show that I was first in. No, but that's... um, It was a good night for the club. It's a bit of, well, what we've had going on the field, a, a reblooding, and there'll be a change, change in the administration as well. And uh, they've got some huge tasks. They've got the KCC. They've got the performance of the club. They've got... Getting a better fixture for members. They've got to handle our exit from Tassie. All this stuff is in the offing. So, yeah, big moments. Well, hooks for change indeed. They want to change and that's what the club's dealing with. We're in
0: a, we're in a period of uh, renewal, rebirth and and renegotiating a, a lot around the club. And um, what an exciting time. I, I know that the club has its critics and, and people are a bit down on Hawthorne right now in terms of just how we're going to perform on field and is the off field a shambles
2: too but I don't know I I am a little bit more optimistic than that personally and I know there'll be people out there feeling that it's a hostile takeover but Andy Gowers is is really one of the fold and I don't think that there's going to be a schism within the club as a result of this or well, I hope not anyway e- even if you
0: listen to our interview with Gowers it's abundantly clear well both of our interviews in fact because of spoken to him twice on this program now. It's abundantly clear how much heart he has and how much passion he has for this football club. You can really believe him when he speaks of his commitment to doing the absolute best he can for the Hawthorne Football Club.
2: So as far as I'm concerned, with that in mind, we're in a good position. And I thought it was a little bit, uh, what's the word, clumsy, the way they didn't have a moment to thank Peter and and another moment to thank Jeff and it it fell upon Jeff to thank Peter and then at the end Hawthorne philanthropist Jeff Harris took to the floor and thanked Jeff for his impact on the club and I, I I think in future that needs to be better set out because they would have known the results earlier and certainly they knew that this was Kenneth's last AGM and I felt that that could have been better handled
0: Yeah look it took Jeff Harris to really tie a bow things and you know you needed to have someone to acknowledge Nankerville's service you know he came in second place as Jeff would put it we'll get to that in a moment he came in second place on this occasion but eight years of service it deserves to be acknowledged and celebrated and the same goes for Jeff who I understand is a very polarizing figure whether you like him or loathe him you can't deny that
2: he's had a huge impact on this club positively yes and even the, the detractors last night had to acknowledge his early stint, that from 2005, was dramatically impacted our footy club. Indeed, and took it from a bit of a basket case. That was a fantastic moment. Jeff told us about uh, where um, Fagan and, and Clarkson were in a mid-year review of how they're going on, on field. And Kenneth just threw it at the wall and said, this is our year, this is our chance, you've got to aim for the Premiership. And, uh, you know, I can understand how that would have been quite hard to swallow at at that time.
0: Well, it all worked out in the end, didn't it?
2: It worked out beautifully, otherwise we wouldn't be hearing that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: Of course, it must be noted that, you know, Jeff was Jeff right to the end, wasn't he? Oh, yes. True to form. He had to have the last word. Uh, my favourite Jeffism from last night, as I sort of in- intimated before, was the fact that it's not about winning or losing in Jeff's eyes. There's winning and then coming second place. <laughs> <laughs> second place of two. That's the result
2: <laughs> each week. You either win or you come second place. That's right. I just thought that was brilliant. And
0: uh, look, it was a very entertaining evening, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, but that was nothing that uh, Bob Ketty would. Would even let enter his head he was all about winning, and it was great to see him inducted as a life member as as well as Russell marshall, who um used to manage glenn ferry and uh he had he he had more it felt like he had more stories that he wanted to get out there, but perhaps he wasn't prepared to um release the what's the word es- expurgated version if is that the right word or you just take out and make it like a you know he ne- it needed a lot of editing let's just put it that way. But uh, he, his, uh, his talk about gold running through the veins was. Was something special because he, he just that commitment to the club he had.
0: They were both uniquely charismatic people, weren't they? Both uniquely charismatic speakers, and uh, yeah, hearing their stories of days gone by and how they both had massive contributions to the club in their respective ways. That was it was really cool. It was uh, one of the highlights of the evening for mine. We also had the cheer squad awards, uh, which went to John Newcomb and Tilly Lucas rod No surprises there.
2: No, it was, it was really good to see the. To see the whole squad there, the AFLW and and the boys, and it's just a uh, just a lot of lot of players now, isn't it? No wonder they didn't bother to introduce them individually this year. <laughs>
0: yeah, we didn't have
2: interviews like that.
0: Uh, what did you note around the room? One of the things that caught my eye was uh, Jack Sullivan. Being so tiny. He needs a good feed, that boy. I imagine he will cause <laughs> so many headaches for defenders when he just zips by them and he's
2: just—he's going to be an annoying gnat. Well, his agility is off the charts, and, and that's what you want. He's, he's been injured a fair bit, but, but you can probably see why. He's just a little bit slight. Got to hit the gym at, uh, at Bunjil Begora. And then Lloyd Meek was a dominating presence. And, uh, of course, standing above everybody was, was Reeves. But uh, we shouldn't skim over the um, the presentation of the finances, which were excellent. And uh, we are in a very healthy position. And, you know, something to really build on. And it sort of underlines why everybody's so forward-looking at that AGM last night.
0: Well, you can't sell pokies every year. They're gone now. <laughs> So, got to work out just how we're going to move forward with that.
2: And speaking of moving forward, we begin looking backward. <laughs> That's
0: right. This is, after all, our 2022 in review. And, uh, well, what a year it was, mate. It was exciting, certainly. I-, I think the team performed a bit
2: above my expectations. Certainly early. Expectations went through the roof. <laughs> we were playing beautiful football, we beat the eventual premiers. We were looking flash, um, we had the old and the new bonding, you know, it was it was a f- fascinating time because Sammy had an obvious impact and uh, even last night you can see the psychology of the group is still with him.
0: Absolutely, that round two win against Port Adelaide, where you just got the sense that oh, Sammy's got this machine pairing very nicely because you didn't, we were to know what kind of funk Port Adelaide were in. It would take them a while to get themselves out of that. But at the time, that was massive. Hugely encouraging for the group
2: and supporters. Daring, and it's got dash, and it was incredible to watch for us because we were just looking for improvement. And there we were rubbing Port Adelaide's nose in it. It was great. <laughs> most unexpected
0: and most delightful. Hitting Mitch Lewis on the lead for. Five goals, just what a night. What an evening it was. Let's talk about our really pleasing wins of 2022. You mentioned one before, and we will come up again later in our chat with Josh. Uh, Geelong at the MCG for mine. The euphoria that came with that win and my boy Mitch getting out the back into
2: space, kicking the sealer, it, it just it can't get better than that for me this year. It was one of those days where you, you go to the G and you're thinking, we couldn't, could we? And we bloody did. It was great If you remember, Tiz, we were on from the start
0: Yeah, It took us about 20 seconds to to get the ball inside 50 and have a shot on goal And uh, we had a very strong first quarter I still remember fondly Dylan Moore taking down the eventual Norm Smith medalist (laughs) Isaac Smith on the boundary And then slotting the goal, if you don't mind That was a hell of a
2: game We did play pretty well against the Swans for three quarters too Yeah, Eventual grand finalist Um, That was the following week after having played Geelong on the Easter Monday so you know there's a lot of potential in this in this squad and and you could see them drift off at the end of the year but yeah that Geelong win is just up in lights. That's what you'll remember from this year. I
0: also have a soft spot for our win in Tassie against the Suns, which I know many people listening to this won't think that's a particularly remarkable victory, aside from perhaps celebrating Ben McAvoy that game. But uh, for me, I was down in Tassie with my dad, and I just thought it was really nice to get the win. It was a a nice little weekend away, and uh, I'll always remember that fondly.
2: And then, of course, in the AFLW, it's quite obviously the Swans. That was an incredible result. Climbed off the canvas to get a massive comeback win. The
0: the excitement, the the feeling on the final siren. Literally, well, I speak for myself, but I, I know other people were jumping around too. Um, yeah, it was magnificent. I've spoken about this before. Seeing the race sisters on the on the fence as the players came to the fence to greet them, they were just so proud. Like so much had gone into this into this uh, this team, this club, getting getting us an AFLW side, investing in women's footy. It was um, j- just a moment that really packed a punch and really hit your heart in, in quite a remarkable way. The other win I want to make note of, as far as the AFLW goes, is the very next week against the Eagles down at Skybus Stadium. And you know what, it, it, in terms of the anatomy of the game, so to speak, it did seem to take a very similar form in terms of how we started out playing that game. But if you watched closely, you could tell that the team had learned. The scoreline looked similar, but there was just something different. And you really got a lot more confidence that wasn't there with with the Sydney game. You got the confidence that they're they're in this. They're up for this fight. And lo and behold, they did come back and they, they eked out a sensational win. Another very close contest. And I was very pleased to be on hand for
2: that one as well. Now, we've listed our, our worst results and it's just one, really. You can't look past Essendon at Marvel Stadium. It looked like everything was going right that day and then nothing went right. I've spoken of this
0: before. I, I remember distinctly where I was sitting on the tram on the way to that game And reading that Essendon had another few outs. And I did think to myself, I remember it quite clearly. I'm suspicious of how much seems to be going our way on paper. I don't like it. I don't appreciate how this is being built up. It just had miracle wind for Essendon written all over it. I could see the headlines the next day. It was uncomfortable for me. And so when the result happened, I was like, yep, there that is. That was
2: not fun. Now, your top three AFL players for uh, for Hawthorne this year. Come on. Now, there's obviously one, a bloke that decided that this was going to be his year early on. Yeah, match winner Mitch Lewis. It's exactly what I'd hoped
0: for, for Big Mitch heading into 2022, and it's fair to say he delivered and then some, and he would have gone on with it too if it wasn't for injury and setbacks towards the, the latter half of the year. Um, um, what, what is there left to say? Massively impressive. He's gone to the next level, and I I mean, I was already a big Mitch Lewis fan. Everyone that listens to the podcast knows that. He's my guy, and I, it was just
2: such a joy to see him take that next step. It it really was. Like, he's promised so much, and there's been a heap of expectation on him. And uh, I just feel like perhaps Cozzy's in a similar position for next year. That's
0: the hope, certainly, yeah. Uh, I mean, Mitch Lewis, contested marking was there. That's a big tick. The accuracy was there, uh, clutch moments, he had those,
2: uh, big bags of goals, he had, he had a few of those too, it just... Consistent scoring, but also, apart from all that, that roar that he gave whenever he kicked a goal. <laughs> exactly, he loves a goal. He announced himself to the
0: competition, and I dare say it is we are a far cry from Mitch Lewis being a pick 76 back end of the draft joke that no <laughs> one took seriously to begin with.
2: We we are a far cry from that and it's great to see. Now you had Mitch Lewis ahead of John Newcomb and then Dylan Moore. Yes. Yep. Completely omitting our best player for the year, James Sisley. I was I was I was very conscious of this and I thought you would bring it up, yeah. Ridiculous number of rebound fifties. Ads did uh, Scrimshaw. He had some incredible um you know, certain matches, he had incredible stats for, for rebounds and, and, then, and then I had Dylan Moore second for watchability and uh, his ability to play mid, forward, kick a goal every game. Um, His link-up play with Gunston and Bruce was excellent as well. And then just, just the raw talent of Jai Newcombe as, as you had him in your top three. Yeah, well, Jai Newcomb's
0: all heart, isn't he? The, the sheer contested beast that is Giant Newcomb is just so enjoyable to watch. You you want to see players like that. As a fan, He he's it's no wonder he's a fan favourite. His desperation and hunger is on show every week and has been since game one. Fantastic. And he inherits the number three, of course,
2: which we haven't got to jump in numbers this pod. No, we haven't got to jump in numbers yet, but the three fits. I mean, ever. Ever since he started playing, even with the 44, I love the 44, fantastic. But the three, I thought that was his destiny. He just needs to lose a little bit of the (laughs) hair on the top
0: extremely watchable is John Newcomb. As you said, for Dylan Moore, I wholeheartedly agree with that assessment too. Dylan Moore's evolution, his continued evolution towards being a midfielder is great to see. He's easily best 22 these days and is such an impactful player that I just enjoy watching him. And I, look, I do need to address for myself, James Sicily is
2: obviously a star of this side. He is a star of the comp. No, you, no mate, it's past. The ball gone through to the back there, you can't get it. <laughs> Okay, he wasn't
0: in my top three of, of my favourites for Hawthorne. But Shocking. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll live with that. I and hope you top... did
2: better with the AFLW. How did you go? <laughs> our
0: top three AFLW players, I do believe that these three made up the top three of the of the best and fairest. So I've, I've covered my bases there. Uh, I'm a big Aileen Gilroy fan. I really love her pace and her skill. Uh, she's a dangerous player. Usually, when she's involved, usually we score. So I think she's excellent. Jasmine Fleming, a bit the same. I love when, uh, when Fleming breaks free of a pack and gets on a run. And for her age, the, the, the
2: level of talent, the ceiling here is insane. So she's 17 as we speak, right? I think she might have just turned 18. Okay, but played the season at the age of 17, and that is completely remarkable. And that is why she's my number one, Nick. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. She's my number one. Then it's Lucas Rod. And then Lucy Wales, who was incredible after we had so much talent in the ruck just go by the wayside early on in the season. Yeah, Lucy Wales certainly deserves a
0: nod for her efforts this year. Uh, Coming from uh, Casey, Casey VFLW, and being effectively forced to announce herself. But it's the way she did it. She had so much responsibility suddenly heaped on her and she became such a formidable force in the ruck and uh, was a a huge contributor to our wins, especially.
2: Now, who was most surprising this year, Nick? Who, you know, I mean, you were surprised by Mitch Lewis, let's face it. I mean, you've always had expectations, but you didn't expect that.
0: No, I'd certainly hoped for it, but I, I didn't quite... I wouldn't have put money on it, put it that way. Harry
2: Morrison, I think, was really impressive. From the same draft... Taken two picks earlier. Uh, <laughs> Harry Morrison had a delightful year. That that was very consistent.
0: It took a while to cotton on to what was happening there with his year, but slowly but surely you developed a picture of this is a very nice year from Harry. This is a career best outing, uh, the games that he played in, in 2022. Very consistent, very good user of the footy. He had a bit of scoreboard impact as well. He was a,
2: a quiet achiever, but a reliable cog in Hawthorne's machine. I know you've got him listed as well but Finn McGuinness the man that uprooted the Melbourne charge to a, a double <laughs> uh, is was was unlucky not to be included in my top 3 AFL players for this year um, but he he did surprise me he's he's well I mean Sammy was just trying to get him some game time on the G a couple of times, but then he found his role and he even kicked important goals. So he has a magnificent frame on him, and I'm very excited for what he's going to do in 2023 because there's going to be a lot more expectation and, and certainly workload fall on Finn. The function of Finn
0: McGinnis in this side is very clear. That is something that we could not have said a little while ago. But that, you saw so Ryan right saying that Melbourne game was the big turning point where he blanketed Ed Langdon, which players had struggled with. Finn was by far the most effective at doing that. And that was very telling because he went on to have a, a ripper rest of the season playing that exact kind of role, nullifying. And you could look at the numbers
2: from week to week, Finn's opponents. Simply didn't enjoy any freedom. The other bloke that impressed me at Box Hill and then he eventually got called up to the seniors, Butler. Very, very good looking player. Butler's an interesting one. I I feel like
0: we haven't seen anything just yet. But you seem quite bullish on him. I
2: am. Because he's got a, a certain vision that not many players possess that I really enjoy about his game. In terms of the AFLW, though, Akesh was the one that surprised me.
0: Yeah, I would say that's a fair assessment. I'd agree with that as well, mostly because I had a pigeonhole as a, as a defender, and then to, to revitalise a season, moving up to a wing and becoming a very important link-up player and, and playing a part in creating a lot for this side, uh, I would say Jess Duffin as well for me a bit of the same actually I mean I I also had her slated as purely a defender and then you know Beck Goddard had worked out that as such a good reader of the footy it would be a massive benefit to the side to have her in the forward line and uh, and clunk some marks uh, and with the wind and so forth and uh it worked a treat that it executed masterfully as a plan, and uh, and Duffin went on to be a star of the forward line for the rest of the season, playing while pregnant. Thank you very much. Absolutely absurd. Uh, yeah, she was a real surprise packet, and what a season!
2: Yeah, I'm still not sure how I feel about that, to be honest. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Now we move on to the most underwhelming. And do we have to do this? Well, we've got to call it as we see it, mate. You know, it's a year in review. It can't all be A-pluses and gold stars. Well, these bugs, unquestionably, would have been frustrated for the majority of their season. You've nominated Warple and Wingard. I've nominated DGB and Warple purely because I give Wingard... Oh, well, he's just never on the park. So I can't be underwhelmed if he's not playing. But... These blokes played, and I was tremendously underwhelmed at times. But DGB so- showed a lot late. This is not. This is not to write any of these guys off. Far from it. Oh God, no, no. We and we don't want to do that. But these guys, that they had questions asked. I mean, DGB was dropped in seconds, as was Warple, and I fully expect both of those guys to put their hand up for a place next year in the best twenty-two. I I see them as integral to a to a tilt in three years.
0: Yeah, so do I.
2: And I think when it comes to Warple, his
0: his year was ended at a really unfortunate time. We felt like he was just on the precipice of recapturing that confidence that we hadn't seen all year and then all of a sudden he's sidelined and that's the that's the end of his twenty twenty two. It was a cruel way to end things. It would have restored faith in a lot of supporters' eyes, I think, and it was taken away from him.
2: Yeah, and I think D G B was asked to do too much early on. And um, and then he came back with a bit more confidence after it had been really rattled and uh, and and started to look like a player we know he can be. Now, it's going to be of no surprise that your favourite goal, Nick, was... Mitch Lewis out the back against Geelong. Couldn't be anything else. Mine for reasons of, I don't know, artistic... Beauty was the goal against Collingwood that's finally a team goal that's finished off by Connor McDonald. A bit of the old, you just cannot be dominated if you play footy like that.
0: I know exactly the goal you're talking
2: about, and it's a terrific one, absolutely. It's a fine choice. Up the guts and, and no erring on the, on the kick that went straight through. Just loved it. And if they do that once a week... We ain't losing many.
0: And when it comes to the AFLW, my favourite goal, and I believe it's it's yours as well, it has to be Aileen Gilroy, the link-up play from half-back to put us in front and ultimately help us win our first ever AFLW game. Uh, that was as exciting as it gets.
2: Not just that, but the celebration just underlined how good that goal was. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you've got, there's a bit of a theme here, Nick. Do you have a favourite player, mate? Um, <laughs> favourite mark, Mitch Lewis against St Kilda. I don't even remember oh, it. Oh, it's massive. You can't <laughs> take this one away from me. If you, if you don't have this in your favourite marks, I don't know what you're watching. <laughs> and uh, Dylan Moore, which was also an excellent mark against Sydney. Now I've
0: gone for Frost. Yeah, you've you've gone down to uh to Lonnie yeah, against Brisbane
2: where Frost soared over the competition. The entire Brisbane side, I will have you know. <laughs> the pack was that big. And uh then of course slotted it. So you know you don't you don't do better than that especially when you're just thrown up there because Sam would run out of ideas. So, uh... <laughs> Well, who knows what we'll see in 2023. Uh, let,
0: let's focus on our most the, the guys that we're most excited to watch next season. Uh, I had no shortage of names for this one, Tiz. I, I, I almost couldn't stop listing the players I'm looking forward to seeing. I'll run through them. Amon, of course. I mean, huge gun recruit who could be our star wingman, could be the best that we've had in that position for years. Uh, Will Day, uh, we've heard a bit about the club's intent to maybe run him through the midfield. Uh, I'm excited to see how that goes, that evolution. Meek looks like he could be a very uh, very promising ruckman and maybe even damaging going forward too. He could be a great target for us. Connor McDonald in his second year, I'm very bullish about Connor McDonald. I really enjoyed what I, what I saw this year. Weddle's athletic profile and the fact that he just took out the time trial, uh, I'm not sure where they're going to play him. They could start him at half back. He's very comfortable as a defender so far, but uh, the, the, the sky's the limit with Josh Weddle. He's such an athletic freak. The, the, the profile he's got is insane. Look forward to seeing what he can do. Tyler Brockman robbed of a 2022. Uh, we are still looking for that gun small forward that can terrorize defenders, and he has to be in the frame for that. When we have seen him, he's been enormously exciting. Uh, Henry Hostwaite, purely for his size. We've heard that he's being run through the midfield. I look forward to seeing how that looks. A little bit of the cotton ashes about him, mate. And, of course, Bailey
2: McDonald, purely for the sheer speed, if I'm honest. well, It's just a whole midfield contingent for me because it's just going to be so shaken up. There's going to be so many different bodies going through there. We're going to be very unpredictable to the opposition and totally unpredictable to me in the stands, I would imagine. (laughs) So it'll be very exciting. But uh, Josh Ward, you could see his elite status in those first couple of rounds. And I just want to see him under under Lloyd Meek. I want to see Reeves tapping it down to him. I want to see them getting their craft going together because he takes good options. And then if you're bringing in uh, Connor McDonald as well, and I know they're both very young, but it's that, that's what's going to bring us to the next premiership. And there's some real belief. I mean, Newcomb as well, like with the three on his back, is that, how's he going to look with that going? That, it's going to be a great moment to see that three dashing away with the ball again. Speaking of Josh Ward, uh, ahead of our chat with him later, I, I was researching
0: his stats. And what do you reckon his average disposals was in the end for, for 2022?
2: Oh, size about twenty. Just about bang on, nineteen or so. Uh, he really improved his ability to get touches. Yeah, towards the end, no problem finding the footy. I imagine those first couple of games, although they were wins, was more about getting the feel of being out there and and knowing what it's about. Both for him and Connor McDonalds,
0: who debuted at the same time, and it was interesting to look at their trajectory and how they were used differently to one another. And, uh, yeah, for a number of weeks early on, they sort of both hovered around that sort of 10-touch mark and, you know, then obviously Wardy became more of a pure midfielder and
2: that accumulation really came into focus, which was great. There's just one, like I want to mention before we move on, and that's Max Lynch, who had moments of brilliance uh, amid moments of extremely poor luck. Uh, We're talking bee stings, COVID tests, everything. So, you know, Max Lynch even though the, the club's recruited to, to really make it hard for him to make the team, uh, he, he could do anything. He's, a, he's a, an amazingly talented athlete.
0: Well, it's going to be a fight for him, but that's the point. It should be a fight for positions all across the list. And uh, I kind of think we have that, to be honest. It, it's where you want to be for a rebuild. You've got to work out the, the pieces that are going to take you forward. You, you, you need to have options when you're rebuilding, and that's exactly what we have.
2: Now, in terms of the AFLW, Talia Fellows is someone that I thought, oh, my goodness, she could change the game. She was that good at points. Just five-minute bursts where she looked like no one could touch her. Yeah, the firepower
0: was on show, wasn't it? A massive improver from even the VFLW, but then taking her craft to the AFLW. Uh, Yeah, she took enormous strides in her career. Uh, Jasmine Fleming is another one that, you know, I dare say we bo- we're both excited by um you know for reasons we've already covered she's a joy to watch uh, and for me Oni McDonough who's quite new to the game of AFL relatively speaking
2: and uh, I thought she started to put together some really strong performances absolutely she did the uh, the timing for leads taking marks that are under pressure and and in the corridor as well uh, <laughs> which. Probably an ill advised option to try and hit up, but she she took the marks and, and she controlled that footy. And uh yeah. And we move on to the to the people who, who have pressure on them in twenty twenty three. And obviously, um, the blokes we mentioned before, uh Warple and Wingard and D G B you've also included Morris and, and Seamus Mitchell who made it back onto the list. At the very last gasp Yeah, important to note that there's pressure
0: and there's pressure So there's different stories for each of these guys I'd say in the case of Morris and Seamus Mitchell You're starting to look at whether they're retained at all Uh Warple and Wingard have credits in the bank, I think I think as far as fans are concerned We would love for them to step up We need them to uh, but those other two guys, Morrison and Mitchell, it's a very real danger of their opportunity being taken from them.
2: Now, um, of the Port Adelaide boys, uh, Impey wasn't there last night because he re-injured his shoulder, I believe. But Wingard, he cannot wait to play with Carl Amon, just talking him up, saying how quick he is, how good his, how good his foot skills are. Um, yeah, I'm going to enjoy that partnership. I imagine they'll be looking for one another. Wings is very good at being able to look for blokes he likes to kick to, (laughs) uh, as as Mitch Lewis knows. That's right. So the last couple of minutes,
0: we've very much focused on uh, 2023 and who we're excited for. And now, we need to actually look at the complexion of 2023 as we move to uh, focus
2: on the fixture. Mate, it wasn't a good read. Look, um, you know, I might sound like Rodney Dangerfield, but there's no respect We get no respect <laughs> There was a little bit about that at the AGM last night
0: Absolutely There was a question from the audience if there, that
2: if there was one thing everybody was agreed on We weren't getting enough respect
0: That's true, yeah, that was unanimous in the room And the cheers went up when, when that was the proclamation And I thought Kenneth's response was also fair enough. Um, the first point I have here is the fact that there are no Thursday or Friday night games currently and just one game on Saturday night. Now, Kenneth has a point. Our performance translates to primetime games and the big stage and the performances haven't been there. We're finished 13th on the ladder.
2: This, this is the truth for us, but if you're Carlton... Or if you're Essendon, you're still granted Thursday and Friday night games, even if you are the poorest of poor. You're dreadful to watch, year in, year out. So I would underline his other response, which was the AFL are a law unto themselves, and we really can't do much about it. And they'll just point to our form and go, oh, that's why. But really we know that's not why because other people have worse form than us and they get them
0: well you'll see every single year it's always richmond carlton the opener it doesn't matter how either team is going uh, they'll they'll always have that in the bank and there are just certain certain rules for certain teams i think we understand that as fans Uh, It's funny when Jeff was speaking about the AFL That was the other thing that very much united the room And I don't think this was a jab at Gowers I just thought it was a recognition of the difficulty that we have as a club When he said, good luck Andy (laughs) If you can get them to be onside,
2: you've done well I mean, we've sent that many bokes out of Hawthorne Into the AFL echelons, upper echelons And and it doesn't really trickle down, Nick We always get a terrible fixture Even when we're top of the... Bloody tree.
0: Anyway. Never really satisfactory, is it? Nine games at the MCG, just the six home games. And it's a bit of a drought. Home games at the MCG,
2: round one, tick. The next one was round nine. Bloody hell. And it was dreadful last year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we had the last seven rounds, we had one at the
0: G, is that right? Yeah, there was a massive drought. I think you're right. It was the back end of the season, and it's just... It makes me annoyed at the AFL. It makes me annoyed at the Tassie partnership in a very selfish way, I must admit. I, I want to see more games. I want my club
2: to be playing here. Whatever you're paying your membership for, you, people just divide it by six. Let me tell you that right now. That's all they do.
0: Well, yeah, and, and our membership just went up. So, uh, yeah, it just none of it really sat right with me. Um, our first four games, at least, I, I was excited by. Uh, the fact that we play four rivals... Straight away, I'm fired up for it. Essendon, Sydney, North
2: Melbourne, Geelong. Those are some big ticket games, I think. The last three, uh, Western Bulldogs, Melbourne, Frio. And, of course, the main thing is we're playing the Dogs twice. We're playing Frio twice. We're playing Melbourne twice. We're playing St Kilda twice, who should have made finals. We're playing North Melbourne twice, and we're playing GWS. Have they been granted a fixture that you know would make you weep? Are they going to make finals as well? We're, we're one of two sides to play two top six teams twice,
0: Melbourne and Freo, the other side being Adelaide. Um, why this has happened?
2: Oh, it's just a fixture quirk, Tiz. Don't worry about it. Move on. No, that's not the fixture quirk. The fixture quirk is playing St Kilda twice at Marvel. That's the other one. We have been
0: royally screwed with that. No, I accept that we have to have a home game at Marvel. That's, that's fine. Whatever. I don't like it, but I see the point. But
2: give us a bloody interstate
0: side, thank you very much. Exactly, playing St Kilda at their home ground and it's our home. It's just there's going to be just slightly less fans for them. That's it. That's the only change. Otherwise, it's basically a home game for St Kilda.
2: It's it's awful. And then any games were probable to really perform well in and probably could possibly win. Put them in Tassie. <laughs> That's
0: right. Yeah, games in Tassie include Adelaide. The Anzac Day clash is back. I do like it, but again, I, in a selfish perspective, I, I really would like more games in Melbourne, please. Adelaide, North Melbourne, we play down there. West Coast, and we've got the Bulldogs
2: towards the end of the year. Anyway, we'll do a um, we'll do a statistical analysis over the fixture. But my first thought was, there's a number of uh, six and seven day breaks, which which lend itself to good rhythm in a young team. You know, they can really focus on on being ready every six days or every seven days, which is something that young sides find it hard. Well, enough about our thoughts on the fixture, mate. There's one
0: guy who couldn't really care less because it's any time, any place, any team, and uh, that is Josh Ward, who uh, we were lucky enough to have some time with and uh, and chat on the podcast about the year that was his first year, mind you. I mean, what a whirlwind
2: it probably was for him. Yeah, I, I mean, we should have just asked him what he thought of our past episodes, Come to think of it. We should have, <laughs> what, was your, what were your favourite moments and, and all that? But we're too caught up in the fact that he's gone from fan to player, and what a transition that must be. Not just a player, a guy that
0: Hawthorne fans everywhere have pinned their hopes on now, Tiz. We are in a rebuilding phase. We've cut a lot of experience from the list. Uh Hawthorne fans are going to be looking at Josh Ward and his peers and hoping they're going to be premiership players in the future. There's a lot of responsibility and pressure heaped on these guys. Josh Ward is right in the
2: mix in the thick of that. We're very lucky to talk to Ward because he is going to be one of the voices of the footy club for the next decade, and they are building a team around blokes like Josh. And they've got a couple of mates out of his, of his mates directly from his school who he's already played with. Trying to make the club young and friendly and, you know, just, we saw it last night, just excited to compete. Well, with all that being said, let's get to our interview with Josh Ward.
0: We're heading into year two with Sam Mitchell at the helm, and there's been plenty of change at the club of late, and that extends, of course, to the midfield. And one key cog in the Hawks' engine room has been kind enough to join us this evening, pick seven in the 2021 National Draft, and a young player showing plenty of promise. Welcome, Josh Ward. Thanks, Nick. Hey, Tiz. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, It's a bit of a surreal
1: moment for me as well, actually. I've been a long-time listener of the podcast. Um, I think it was you, Tiz, my dad, met a few years ago and you gave him um, the card for the podcast and it's been been with us for a lot of drives to school with my dad and my brother over the years.
0: So yeah, it's good to, good to be on.
2: Uh, Nick got those business cards printed pretty early on, didn't you, Nick?
0: Yeah, I'm going to say it was a team (laughs) effort actually. So, uh, you know, I'll take a little, some props for that as well. That is incredibly surreal and uh, yeah, pass on thanks to your dad for that one. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Now, uh, now Josh, you're back at the club now and prep for season 2023 is underway The AGM was last night. If that's any indication, Sam appears incredibly enthusiastic about the list and where you guys can go from here. From your position, what's the feeling like around the club? Yeah, he's enthusiastic. I think
1: we all are. Um, It was a, yeah, well, for me personally, I loved my year last year. Really enjoyed being around the club, being around such a young young group, but also some really great senior leaders as well. Um, And that's just continued coming into this year. I feel like we're all, really excited it's been great to get started and yeah Sam's been one of many with his enthusiasm and his and his drive and leadership but we've um I think we're all really buying in and really looking forward to where we can go
0: now from the outside looking in speaking of that buy in it, it just seems as though there's a very strong culture and connection amongst this group at the moment a real sense of mateship really shines through for supporters i think do you feel as though that's been a focus of the club over the past year yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, especially early on in pre-season, we have a big focus on sort of getting to know everyone and um, building our connection as a group because the stronger you are as a group, the more able you are to, you know, give strong feedback and work to get each other better. But also you just enjoy being around each other and playing footy so much more because I feel like playing footy with your mates is really what what it's all about and what makes us love the game. So, yeah, we're a, we're a strong... Um, strongly connected group and we enjoy being around each other and training together and spending time together so yeah it's been a it's been a big focus and i think it's working pretty well
2: now um a little while ago we spoke to xavier ellis another melbourne grammar boy and uh we were pleased to see you came in with ned long and then quickly followed max max Ramsden.
1: yeah it's um pretty crazy that we're all all there together um been good mates since about year nine and if you told us back then that we'd be at Hawthorne training together obviously we wouldn't have believed you but um, yeah they're both both going really well and it's yeah it's cool to have some of my best mates from school at the club and along with some really good mates just from the club as well.
0: It's been well documented that you're a Hawthorne man through and through but we've noticed that there's a common thread through the club at the moment where (laughs) Hawthorne seems very fixated on recruiting Hawthorne supporters it's, well, what is with that? Is it something you've picked up on? Uh, yeah, there's a little little Hawthorne
1: supporter contingent at the club. Obviously, we're all Hawthorne supporters now. But, uh, yeah, we just got Cam McKenzie this year. Um, I think Maury and Jack Scrimshaw as well. Big Hawks fans. Max Ramson as well. He'd plenty more that I'm forgetting. But,
0: yeah, it's it's pretty interesting how that works out.
2: Don't we have a photo of Scrimmer at a grand final? Nick, is that right?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Scrimmer, I think, is on the fence of the 2013 grand final when Bradley Hill slots his goal and, and celebrates with the crowd a little bit. Uh, I was That was going to feed into my next question. Is uh, Josh, did you get to any of those grand finals in that recent golden era? I did.
1: I went to 2008 with my dad and a few other family members. We were, like, whole family's diehard Hawks fans Um Unfortunately, can't remember much of the actual game, which is disappointing because it was probably the best best game of the, of the four, um, but I've watched the, the, the 2008 Grand Final DVDs. It gets a pretty regular viewing, sort of a, at least annual, annual thing for us.
2: What's it like, the transition from fan to Hawthorne draft pick prospect? Because they, they hid it from you a bit, didn't they? they uh, and then finally arriving at the club
1: yeah i didn't I didn't know I was going that's for sure um, they kept their cars pretty close to their chest, the hawks, and I think that's probably what most recruiters do but uh, obviously it was where I wanted to end up and yeah it was an amazing feeling when i when I did get picked up but then once I got in there and sort of just um, yeah met everyone and started training comes pretty quickly it's your club and you've got to try and get a game, I guess like when you're um doing like grueling pre-season sessions that you're not really thinking about you, how you used to go for them you're just trying to trying
0: to get through. For us following the draft coverage I think it, it can seem like a big whirlwind process that first week or two how do you reflect upon your initial experiences arriving at the club?
1: Yeah well I think these new draftees have at least done better on their first day than I did. I um, First time I got to the club drove in by myself was pretty nervous as you can imagine and got out of the car and walked into the club, didn't think anything of it, and then at the end of the day, went back to the car and realised I'd left the keys in the ignition and the car still on. I just put it in the park and got out. So yeah, i yeah, I could sort of empathize a bit with um, the nerves of the new draftees because I was definitely feeling it myself on my first day. But yeah, it is a it is a whirlwind and yeah, it's a pretty nerve wracking experience. But oh, you enjoy enjoy every minute. As well,
2: we've heard in the past how uh, you you get put under someone's wing, so to speak. Someone takes you around the club and they they teach you the ways of becoming a professional footballer. Who was that for you?
1: There were a few. Um, I mean, everyone was so so welcoming and took it upon themselves to try and yeah help all us new draftees. But some names in particular, uh, I'd say. I, well, I stayed with Harry Morrison for a week when I first got there, and he's. It was awesome for me, um, just answering the many questions that I had and, um, yeah, sort of giving me a glimpse into what it was like to be a professional athlete. Um, James Waffle was another one. Um, caught up with him for a fair few coffees over the year just to debrief what was going on. Um, but, yeah, all the, a lot of the senior players were, were great and, um, yeah, sort of got me going and went from there.
0: You're not far off being a senior player yourself now, Josh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I was I saw a um, graph today. I think I'm about 26 in terms of how long I've spent at the club. So getting towards halfway there, which is pretty crazy.
2: And you 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 uh, were picked for the side round one. It was a big tick. How did that feel?
1: It was a great feeling. Um, it was obviously the goal throughout the whole of pre-season. You want to play round one. Um, I don't think... Like you build it up to be more important than it is. Like round one is just as important as round two, three, four, whatever. But obviously it's a big, big one. You want to want to play in, and um, yeah. No, I was I was thrilled to to be able to play in round one.
0: And never mind round one. Uh, a few weeks on, you're back at the MCJ. You're not playing north at Tinpot Club. Who cares, right? <laughs> you're talking about Easter Monday, Geelong, massive crowd, massive moments. You knock off the team that will eventually become the premiers, and for mine we' we're in, we're in quite a reflective mood because we're talking about the season that's just gone that's my favorite win. How did you reflect on that? that was a huge moment for the club I think yeah
1: it was massive that was i'd be the same as you Nick I think that was definitely my favorite favorite moment yeah I think it gave us a lot of confidence showed us that when we put it all together and play with a lot of effort and you know, passion and excitement, you know, we can really be a great team. And uh, yeah, I, I love that game. And um, I remember listening to your, Podcast after it on a bit of a high. Um, you guys were definitely on a bit of a high after that. Yeah, it was it was
2: unbelievable. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: I went straight back into the city, ready for some comedy festival. I just record on the fly, and it yeah, was a it was a wonderful day. My favourite day of the footy this year. It just goes to show that the the key to success is just having Mitch Lewis in about fifty meters of space at the end of the game. That's all it takes, guys. Yeah, that'd be nice if we could get a Key
1: forward alone in the fifty every time, but unfortunately <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way.
2: I was going to return to round one and, and just talk about that kick you got away out of defence, and then big noodle juggled it and took it.
1: Yeah, that was cool as well. Yeah, I enjoyed watching that a few
2: times. And so you, your two wins, two and zip after the Port Adelaide game, I and mean, you've kicked your first goal. It's a, it's a dream start to the year for you.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was very fortunate to. Um, yeah, play the first few games, and yeah, we were definitely on a high after that Port adelaide Port Adelaide win, but um yeah, obviously something Sam says a lot is it's never as good or as bad as it seems, and we sort of came back down to earth, especially against the Saints in round four. Um, but yeah, like like I said before we we know we can when we put it all together, we can you know be one of a be a really good side and um it's just about consistency and you know, continual development really.
0: Now, Josh, there was a stretch this year where you were sidelined. And I think for us fans, because we are so high on you and so excited to see you out there, we were frustrated for you. We really wanted to see you back in action. And I think when a first year player gets sidelined, it takes a degree of resilience as well to, to get through that and get back out on the park. How was that time for you?
1: Yeah, it was frustrating um, for sure. Uh, obviously you always want to be playing and, um i guess up until that point i'd had a pretty pretty good run in my career with injuries i'd had one concussion before but i hadn't really had to learn to deal with you know spending a huge amount of time on the sidelines and i probably didn't have hadn't had the experience to build up a huge amount of resilience so it was definitely a learning period for me but i think in the end it was almost the best thing that could have happened because i was able to sort of reset um obviously I was happy to play the first, you know, seven of the first eight games, but my performance wasn't wasn't great. I wasn't happy with how I'd played and um yeah, I felt like once I came back into the side for the last seven games of the year, um you know, I was yeah, in a much better place. I was playing with more confidence and had been able to, yeah, sort of work on my mindset over that over that period of time I spent off and I felt like I came back in much better much better form than when how i started which was good
2: how does the club manage that because obviously you've got a lot of energy to burn yeah you've got a lot of nervous energy watching watching your teammates and that how do they give you some exercises or i mean like mental exercises and stuff to keep you thinking about footy but not pressuring you into trying to get back on the
1: oh yeah i guess there's a few parts to it obviously you need to get your head right and your body right when you're injured so there's there's that part and then um you know there's things you do to keep engaged like I could still train a fair bit um I was involved like involved in team meetings and stuff so I definitely still felt like I was a part of it I didn't feel isolated or at a loose end but yeah definitely the the weeks go by a bit slower when you're injured and not able to to participate fully which was
0: frustrating Back at the club now, obviously, and and getting into stuff, Uh, there are a few players who are, of course, following in your footsteps at the moment, a few draftees who are new on the scene. Could you talk us through your first impressions of these new recruits?
1: Yeah, they've made a great first impression. Um, I've got one of them, Jack O'Sullivan, staying with me at the moment. So he's from boy from Conton, good skills, very athletic and explosive, and uh, he had a pretty disrupted year last year, this year, last season. With a few injuries. So I think um yeah, we were lucky sort of slipped under the radar and got to us. Um, and he's he's been awesome. Um very good to have, have around and uh, gotten to know him him pretty well. Uh, Josh Weddle's been another one who's yeah, been pretty impressive. Uh won the time trial the other day. And yeah, his running's been running's been pretty unbelievable. He's been good and Cam McKenzie and Henry Huswade have been training with the mids. And it's been good to have a few boys with some different skills to add add to that group they've both been training well so yeah those those boys have been good and then uh, Bailey McDonald's just absolute express pace um, so he's, he can turn it on when he wants to and JB Josh Bennett's uh, his skills have been been on show so far so it's been great to have great to have all of them there.
2: Talking to a few people yesterday at the AGM they're all telling us how quick Bailey is. He must be really fast.
1: Yeah, he's lightning. We saw a few um, highlights, reels of him playing for Vic Metro and he just got it at half back, and just absolutely accelerated, burned off his opponent. So that was, um, that was good to see.
2: Was that your first AGM?
1: Yeah, first one. It was, it was good. I enjoyed it. So many passionate supporters and those are the, the most diehard members you get, I think, the ones that are at the AGM. So, yeah, it was great to see. You know, just the passion and love for the club on full display last night, which was good.
2: There was a big um, tick of approval from the coach who, uh, speaking to the group and and also to the members, said uh, for us to look upon the group and and think about there's the core of our next premiership side sitting here tonight. And I thought, wow, that's a massive statement from Sammy to have that much confidence in you guys.
1: Yeah, it's great that he's got the confidence in us and i think we we believe it ourselves as well so uh, now i guess it's up to us to to leave everything out on the track and do what we do everything we can to to get there
2: did you have a reaction when uh, bob ketty said he'd been paid 30 bucks each time he played <laughs> each time he played a game and 15 bucks for the reserves i thought that there was a couple of blokes that were looking a bit stunned i saw frosty look Quite stunned actually. <laughs>
1: Different time back then, wasn't it? The most surprising part was how he yeah trained up in Canberra for the army all week and then came down for home. I mean, that's I just couldn't imagine doing that now.
2: And then he referred to Percy Serity as a nutcase, didn't he? And I was just gonna ask how's uh, how's Peter Burge? He's he's new to the club. What's he like?
1: Yeah, he's been great. He's so so professional and, and knowledgeable. Well, I think I think every high performance Trainers got a bit of a nutcase in them, but yeah, <laughs> virgie has been great. He's um, the one of, probably the best of the best, and um, very lucky to have him
0: smashing us on the training track, which is good. Smashing you in December, pretty keen. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what excites you most about this group? Do you reckon what excites you about the club? I suppose. Well, sure, if I could pinpoint one thing, but I guess just how committed
1: we all are to, to what we're doing, we all know the direction we're going and. Um yeah I feel- like we do have a core group that can take us where we where we need to go, and yeah it's just really exciting to be part of part of this group,
0: as we said, we're in a pretty reflective mood for this final episode of the season that we're doing uh any highlight of twenty twenty two that stands out for you, whether it's as a team or maybe for you personally I mean, we've already touched upon your debut first goal, but is there anything that sort of springs to mind
1: uh well, I've already spoken about Easter Monday, so I'll pick a different one. I'd say just the reaction of the boys when we announce a debutante in the team meetings. I think that's always one of the best parts of the week. Like just yeah, how much we all, everyone cares about each other and wants each other to do well. I think the reaction when, yeah, we sort of recognise someone who's worked hard for their spot and is living there, realising their dream, I think, um, yeah, shows what a special group it is. So, yeah, those, those moments um, stick out pretty clearly.
0: I tell you what, Sam's going to lift his game because Beth Goddard, she's been enormously creative with those uh, debutante videos.
1: There <laughs> yeah, been some good videos coming out of the AFLW um, social media team, that's for sure.
2: When it comes to your own role in the side, how do you see that progressing this year?
1: Yeah, I want to just become a full-time part of the midfield. Um, so just solidify my role, my role there. I feel like you know, I've got. Um, a variety of skills and strengths. And so just bringing those each week to help us win games is what I want to get out of this year. Um, I think I'll, yeah, play it, hopefully play a fair bit inside, um, but also be able to uh, use the ball and play a bit on the wing as well. On the outside will be, yeah, my, my go this year. So hopefully it goes well.
2: Now, I met a big fellow last night. And uh, he sort of snuck on up on me because he's a bit quiet, and uh, he's suddenly there. Lloyd Meek, he is a big unit. He's massive, <laughs> isn't
1: he? Yeah, really nice guy, Meeky, and it's been been great to have him. You know, striding around the gym. Um, yeah, he's a big boy.
2: It's really rejuvenated the midfield, um, the recruiting team in in a very small space of time. It's incredible. It's going to be it's going to be very exciting next year, Nick. Well,
0: I. I... I have this feeling that the suspicion is that the media looks at Hawthorne like, in terms of limitations, whereas I I see it as the opposite. I, I see that there's is plenty of fresh faces and it feels like anything's possible. I that that's my optimistic take on it, but the media loves going the
2: other way with it. Unfortunately, oh, they they always look for the negative. But if you listen to these guys, the, the positive attitude coming out of the group is is tremendous.
1: Yeah, I mean. We've got such a young young midfield, but I feel like that isn't something that should or would hold us back. Um, we've got so many players with different strengths and different skills that they can bring each week. So um, yeah, really excited to to get cracking with with all of them and
0: um, yeah, see what we can do. It's been very clear as well, and I imagine it, it it's the case for the players too. Trying to execute the game plan, it's clear what the idea is. And even under Sam Mitchell in year one of of his coaching tenure, that it's clear what he's trying to execute on game day. Um, it's fun for us to watch. It must be well a fun, but also bloody hard work for you guys too, right? Oh <laughs> well, yeah, it's a game
1: plan that's based a lot around running. But yeah, I mean, I think we'll have a clear idea what we're trying to do, and um, yeah, it just comes down to executing it consistently, which is. Uh, yeah, the process we're in now, trying to just make sure we're we're all on the same page.
2: Speaking last night, Sammy uh, views the uh, the crowd numbers as feedback in how the game's being played, how it looks, how exciting it is for the fans. I thought that was great to hear from him because half was pressing him a bit on on uh, what, what he you say some benchmarks that he wanted to reach for the next year, and I thought that was a that was a great benchmark. You know, trying to get a big contingent of fans. How what's the atmosphere like?
1: Yeah, it's oh amazing playing in front of big crowds. I think we got sixty thousand on Easter Monday, which was was awesome. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, playing in front of big crowds is part of the reason you know why we enjoy playing, and um, yeah, love seeing the Hawks Hawks faithful come out each week, and hopefully the numbers just continue to grow.
0: We're gonna uh, weasel our way back into Thursday and Friday nights. Mark my word because they they haven't announced those fixtures,
2: but we'll get halfway through the season, the AFL will go, all right, okay, you've made your point. (laughs) There's only one thing I noticed about the fixture, and that's that you guys can maintain a really good rhythm. It's about six or seven days each time. Uh, Apart from that, I hate the Sunday games. (laughs) But it doesn't matter to you, blokes, does it? No, I
1: mean, we'll play whenever, um, anytime, anywhere, but... Yeah, it'd be nice to uh, for the fans to get some some blockbuster games. Hopefully, towards the end of the year.
0: We need to point out that, that we hung around last night. I know a lot of the boys they were off like a shot, and fair enough after the AGM. It did run a bit late, Nick. <laughs> it did. Well, it did. Yeah, <laughs> we hung around. We got talking to uh, to Sam Mitchell, and you know, for a bit of fun, we thought, look, we got this chat with you tonight, Josh, and we thought we might turn it over to Sam to to see if he had any ideas of what we could ask you. So. He wants to know, who's the smartest player at Hawthorne?
1: Yeah, I've, I've got to give that to Max Ramson at the moment. Um, he, he, did, he did pretty well at school, I'll, I'll say that, and that's, a, that's an understatement.
2: Wow, did he? Okay.
1: I'd love to, I'd love to not say him
0: because it'll go straight to his head. But oh,
2: we'll, we'll edit this out, won't we, Nick?
0: Well, I was going to say, it goes to his head. That's a fair feat. He's a very tall man. <laughs> Uh, that, that well played though, Josh, very straight back Because Sam did happen to mention that you yourself did pretty well at school He
2: had his big smirk going, he did
1: Yeah, no, it, it hurts to give Ram that title to be
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we should have a shout out to Josh's dad Picking up the business card from me, really Very much appreciate that turn of events uh,
0: Josh, I want to thank you for your time tonight It's been awesome to chat with you And you're looking forward to the Christmas break You, you got stuff planned?
1: yeah looking forward to it um nothing too much planned i'll just head off to uh the beach for a little bit with the family which would be nice and then uh yeah back into it soon which which i'll i'll be looking forward to
0: if melbourne's weather could see itself to uh climb over about 18 degrees that'd be wonderful (laughs) thanks so much josh all the best for 2023 we can't wait to see you back in action
1: no worries thanks for having me
0: guys A delightful young man is Josh Ward, Tiz, and uh, we both very much enjoyed that chat and some insights ahead of the uh, the 2023 campaign.
2: Yeah, and he enjoyed the AGM, Nick. How, how interesting. Ah, yeah, that'll fade. <laughs> <laughs> they can't all be as
0: entertaining as the one last night. No, that's, uh, that's the aim. Very, very boring AGMs. <laughs> that's right. Actually, if Josh Ward is bored,
2: you know you're on the right track, actually. <laughs> No, he's a, he's a delight, isn't he, Woody? He's enthusiastic. He knew all the new recruits' names. Um, he, he saw what they were good at. It. Interesting that he's already taken Jack O'Sullivan under his wing at such a young age. And uh, I, I can only hope he's feeding him well because Jack's 72 kilos and, and we did see him. He's, he's a little bit slight. So, um, but, yeah, highly skilled young man. That's on Josh Ward now, He's to step up and be
0: a leader. <laughs> yeah. Basically. That, that's the new era at the football club. The, the world at their feet is they are shaping the future of the Hawthorne Football Club. And uh, as as we talked about with Sam Mitchell, as far as Sam's concerned, the pieces are in place. Yep. It's what we do with them from here. Future is now. Indeed it is. We need to wrap up uh, what has been a mammoth edition of the Hawk Talk Podcast, our final episode for the year. Do we have to talk
2: jumper numbers or people are over them by now, aren't they? No, they'll still be they'll still be news in January, won't they? <laughs> um, <laughs> and we got we got the statistical fixture analysis. That'll be uh, scintillating stuff. Uh, what else? Are we doing a season guide? Are we coming back in for that or you know there's there's this thing called AI now. I feel that could be very useful. <laughs> 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 oh
0: boy look forward to that Uh, now if you're listening to this show via Apple Podcasts and you do have a minute to rate and review our show we'd really appreciate it of course it makes our day to read that stuff and and hear great feedback but it effectively recommends the show to other diehard hawkers too Uh, an exciting announcement you could be listening to this on Apple Podcasts you might be listening to it on Spotify you may be listening to it on
2: Google Podcasts Tiz I hope you've got some kind of explosion or fireworks or something because this has taken forever this is basically the longest
0: project i yeah now listeners might be wondering why did it take so long what kind of obstacles did we actually have to overcome to make it work it was very very confusing but i'll tell you this in layman's terms we had to burn it down and build it back up again (laughs) That's essentially what we did. We had to remove our podcast from Google Podcasts altogether and restart it. Yeah, it had to find it again. But we're there now, we're there now. So you can find us on Google Podcasts going forward. So that's a massive win for our listeners. Uh, We're slowly but surely approaching another milestone over on Twitter. 4,000 followers, very close to that now. Uh, That's our social media HQ, of course. So We'd love to have you over there, twitter.com slash Pod. Of course, we're also on Facebook. You can join our Facebook family at facebook.com slash hawk talk pod and you can find us on Instagram. And finally, as always, we'd like to extend a shout out to our proud, passionate and paid up Patreon subscribers who have really helped make 2022 a huge year for the Hawk Talk podcast. Your support subscribers, you make it possible for us to do what we do and it's very much appreciated. A special thanks uh, here to Richard, Riley, and Tumbleton, who jumped on board recently. Great to have you. Uh, for everyone else, if you'd like to support the show by way of a buck or two, or more, if you like, uh, you can hop onto our Patreon page. Sign up at any tier you like and get some sweet perks in return. All the details
2: are at patreon.com slash hawk pod. And so we head into the off-season for Christmas and New Year's and and uh, we just watch from afar as, as Peter Burge absolutely tortures these poor blokes on the track. <laughs> in keeping with the Christmas spirit. <laughs> <laughs> now they get a break for a little while, don't they? But if they want a template for success, Jordan Lewis looking like, I don't know, just a, just a mess of water and hair, running up and down Sorrento Beach at about 7 o'clock in the morning on day 2 of 2013... That's the kind of thing that will bring you success.
0: Nah, Mitch Lewis is the real example, mate. Pick 76, (laughs) don't even worry about it. You're looking at the wrong Lewis, I say.
2: No, no, no.
0: (laughs) One of the great number threes. It's
2: fantastic.
0: My expectations around next year, I'm under no illusions that it's about development, but I'm rather looking forward to the footy. I found myself actually... On both counts. I want the AFL back, and God, I really want the AFLW
2: back. I, I'm so excited for both programs. And we've ended up with tickets to more than one game at Gather Round as a result of your you know, frustrations in not being able to go to the football. But anyway, that's another story. The cravings are real, and the Hawk Talk
0: podcast is heading to Adelaide. <laughs> not just Norwood, either. We are catching a couple more games at Adelaide Oval. I've, I've never been, mate. I had to see... The, the oval for myself and get amongst
2: it we are gathering around gather around so that's the first leg and for the rest of the australian tour we are in negotiations
0: yeah no i can see it now a national tour in the batmobile or failing that we'll, we'll dig up the hovercraft from yesteryear out at waverley
2: Oh, the hovercraft would be great we could go by water well there's tassie that's <laughs> sorted so it really is a national tour
0: <laughs> you never did want to go on that ferry Anyway, Uh, clearly we have a lot to hash out, listeners. There's a lot to talk about in the off-season for the podcast. We will be back once again in 2023. We're going to enjoy a well-earned break, I think, mate. I want to thank you for your year here on the Hawk Talk podcast. It's been a massive one, hugely successful for us. Really fun watching the team, really exciting to see where it goes from here. Uh, Merry
2: Christmas mate And I'll see you on the other side in 2023 Merry Christmas to you Nick And thank you for all your hard work I think the listeners know exactly how much you put into this And uh, I think it, it's all paying off And you mate, and you And Merry Christmas of course to all of our listeners Happy
0: holidays, thank you for joining us this year uh, When are we going to be back? End of January, probably I don't know, look we'll be hard at work With the uh, the season preview and stuff like that anyway uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, there might be a bonus episode or two. You just don't know. You've got to sign up, patreon.com. But for now, happy holidays. Enjoy the break. We'll see you soon. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.